point eight to ten p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. Songezo Mabete on SAFM. He died a couple of months short of his fifty-fourth birthday. He was born on the fifth of December, nineteen twenty-four, in Graf Rennet, Eastern Cape. Died in Kimberley, fifty-three years on, but he left quite the legacy. His name is Mangaliso Arsobukwe. To join us in conversation about his life and times, the legacy that he leaves behind is Ms. Lebuhang Pigo, Senior Research Fellow and Political Economist, who talks to us this evening about the legacy of the man as we continue to grapple with his legacy, his identity, and the fact that in many respects we don't know much about him or we don't know as much as we otherwise could, if not should. And so the conversations continue as the questions continue to come of the life and times of Mangaliso Ar Sobukwe. Sislebuhang, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back to SAFM. It's been a while since you and I had been on air together. Oh, oh. Oh, I was on mute. Thank you so much. It's oh, good to be here. Oh, yes, yes, of course. This, this, this does happen. Of course, it happens to me in meetings even. How do you feel about the life and times and the legacy of Datu Sobukwe? Of course, I can't miss the political coincidence written in the stars as it may be that one was born on the 5th of December and another, whether a brother in politics or an adversary in politics or a comrade mm. in politics, albeit from different political mm. parties, Datu Dalibunga Mandela would have died today in 2013. Even there, there's a story mm. to be said about it. But from just briefly, my introduction, what I said, and the mm. context of Sobukwe as you have it from a PAC disposition even, how does this day resonate mm. with you? So I wrote something a few years ago. It's interesting that you note the the strange coincidence or God incidence that these two men were, their lives and deaths traverse each other. Um, and I, I mentioned even in that article that it's uh, it's it's interesting that even in death, even in their passing, their voices are so very differently treated. Um, and I think one of the things we appreciate is the 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 fact that that Sobukwe's voice was mu- was muzzled, was muted, for the entirety of his life and his passing under the apartheid settler regime. Mm-hmm. And what's particularly regrettable was that even now, post-1994, there hasn't been any attempt to excavate that voice. So I think that um, that is one of the great dissonances of our times, that in a, in a, you know, a man who is absolutely a hero, so without whom there would, have, there would not have been the anti-pass campaign, the, the the defiance campaign, which also gave rise to the Sharpeville, um protest, which became a massacre, not by their design. Mm-hmm. It also means that in that regard, he had taken, he had moved away from the Africanist, uh, from the from the ANC camp, precisely because one of the things that he himself and Dadem Da, Mr. Uh, Mr. A. Bingobo, and of course Anton Lembede, mm. their feeling was that. This was a um, that the colonial question was not being addressed sufficiently. They felt as though there was too much white tutelage within the the mother party, as they say. And by 1956, they had become part of this Africanist group. And I think um, there's a there's a quote of his. He says that a, a, there's a quote that I think bears 
repeating here, he says the Europeans are a foreign group which has exclusive control of political, economic, social, and military power. It is the dominant group. It is the exploiting group responsible for the pernicious doctrine of white supremacy, which has resulted in the political humiliation and degradation of the indigenous African people. I say this also, Buti, because it's really um, like Martin Luther King, you know, like many other important leaders of in, and contemporaries, we run the risk of turning in Dademangaliso Sobukwe into a teddy bear who merely says there is only one race, the human race. And therefore, um, we begin to then ascribe to him a kind of, um, you know, liberalism and, and a, a, a non-racialism that erases and is not cognizant of the, the toxicity of racism, of white supremacy, and of the colonialism. And here it is, he is clear in his diagnosis that he is pro-Africans and that he is very aware of white supremacy. I think also to say that in, in line with the what I was speaking about, the, the Sharpeville um, uprising, which then became a massacre, without the Sharpeville um, incident and the Sharpeville fissure, the Sharpeville um, phenomenon, as it were, which was not only a national event, it became an international event to the extent where Franz Fanon called it the day that changed the world, the day that shook history. The stock markets changed. Um, the banks like Chase Manhattan in the United States and the first national bank in the U.S. had to bail out the settler apartheid regime because at that time it was clear that during those days and weeks following the Ma the, the, the Sharpeville massacre, all of the conditions has, has, has been said many times for the, the immediate transfer of power into the African majority were, 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 were available and had become clear. And that would have meant that we would have come into the global polity, liberation polity, with our, 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 our peers across the continent. So the culpability of, um, you know, international capital is important, mm -hmm. but that this one man managed to galvanize this because of that we then have um the, the the expulsion of the of the of the of south africa of settler apartheid south africa from the united nations um also with the very vociferous and extremely competent lobbying uh, of, of david sebeko who was the pc representative to the united nations during those years and then again we then also then get from that what is now called international human rights day celebrated across the world mm. and and that is all because of this man and the ideation and the people around him. Because I think it's also important to appreciate that he didn't walk alone. Sure, but sure. that ideation is, 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 is immense. So it's disappointing now that people talk about International Human Rights Day and don't even mention South Africa, don't even mention Sharpeville, and don't even mention so Mangaliso Sobukwe. Mm. It's yeah. a pity we won't yeah. be able to talk about the personalities that become in the sum of who Sobukwe became, only because of sure. time, not because of their insignificance. But you've touched on a number yeah. of issues, and I mean, I don't know which one is really more important than the other, because I think the excavation yeah. of voice, which should become an ongoing constitutional project, it should become an ongoing sure. Pan-African project, it should also mm -hmm. become an ongoing black consciousness project. In other words, mm -hmm. the, you can never hear enough of this sort of voice because it's in hearing Sobukwe's voice then you hear of Lebalo, 
um, Raburoko mm. and the other Zuo's contemporaries, and perhaps the questions Absolutely. within the questions. So that's important. You touched on that. Defiance campaign becomes Shoffel, becomes Human Rights Day, becomes International Human Rights Day. And the context of Human Rights Day, as they continue still to be demanded to this day, if one looks at what's mm-hmm. happening in the Middle East now. So again, you touch on contemporary questions that are mm-hmm. keeping present-day societies as seized with a question that mm-hmm. Usobuke was answering and found a way to carve, wouldn't say a niche for himself, but to contribute in the broader project of equalization mm-hmm. of the rights question. And of course, can mm-hmm. we not talk about land? I mean, South Africa's land project is in many respects what mm-hmm. founded the PAC and is a question yes. that continues to have South Africans of all dispositions literally being passionate mm. in different positions about the same question. And on another day, mm. that on its own is worthy of a conversation with you. But let's talk about the fact that how much of Biko would have been, and I'm just literally taking a shot of one of the many things you touched on, how much of Biko is, mm. if you like, the multiplication of Usobukwe. Mama Mandela did not die, she multiplied, you know, 2018, that's what we were talking well, about. Well, I mean, that's an so, that's a very important question. So that's how much of black consciousness mm-hmm. as has been espoused and or ascribed to Biko, the Pijanas of the times, founded actually in Pan-Africanism and the ideology that you made mention of the fact that Usobuko was critical of the political economy, of the economic economy, of the social economy, of the military economy. Well, I think for for one, it's important to note that um, there is one quote that always comes to mind when we remember um, these two men. Um, They were not contemporaries. One was senior to the other. Um, and I think that there's yes. a there's sometimes a it's important to be to just for protocol's sake to bear that in mind that uh, uh, that Debiko was a very young man. he was even young when he passed away he was not you know and 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 that he recognized this and you know the first thing he said when he met Sobukwe I'm sure it's been well cited but for the listeners he said Nanguti there is God <laughs> that is the esteem Mudi. in which he held in that Sobukwe. Mm. Right. Um, and, and then also that his older brother, um, you know, uh, Steve Biko's older brother, Kaya Biko, was an Africanist, a Pan-Africanist and a Kada, who, of course, had also greatly influenced as many older siblings would um, great, greatly influenced his younger brother. So Biko was an exponent of Africanism. And then, of course, perhaps through his own ideation, repackaged it as it were um, for the times and contemporized it in the in the context of a, a very revolutionary fervor in the late 60s going into the 70s as a student but that was his greatest influence and in fact even before the 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 even before the Soweto uprising took place, as organized by um by the way that is Zephaniah Mutuping, who is known uh, and the Bethel trials are, are there in the public domain for the listeners. Um and I think it's always important to historicize and to center that. But even before he was going to make his contribution to this particular undertaking and assignment, he made sure that he went to consult physically. 
with the with Ntate Sobukwe, who, as we know, was under house arrest or banishment, as as per many people of the time, you know, many icons of those days, as per Mayor Matigizela Mandela. But I mean, he basically was never, never left prison. So the influence that he had on Biko, um, on Black consciousness, again, cannot be understated. And I think it's an important link and the trajectory that a, a younger generation does not seem to have as much of a grasp on. I've always viewed these, I've always viewed um, the Pan-Africanist Congress and the BCP as at the very least, at the very least first cousins and certainly siblings in struggle, just that one has, um, you know, has had a longer track record and a longer path. And also, of course, draws its inspiration from a, a global Pan-African movement, your, you your Marcus Gar your Marcus Garvey's, your Kwame Nkrumah's, your Du Bois's. Please interrupt me. You, you mentioned the PAC, and I'm glad you did so first, because I had that as a thought, but then I felt I was going to run out of time. But okay, you brought it to the arena. Not long ago, sometime earlier this year, I would have had Mr. Nyons, or the Pan-Africanist leader, here in studio. And we were talking about, among other things, Sobukwe. And I did say to him, one of the great tragedies that are very much in the offing is that when the PAC is not in Parliament, and that's more than likely going to happen next year, They've got one or two seats there, and they probably are not going to come back. I regret saying this, but that's the reality. It would, in many respects, render into oblivion so many other things that otherwise would be poised to continue to fight for, to continue to try and excavate, to use your language, excavation among things, Sobukwe, to perhaps reorientate South Africa on the land question. Mm -hmm. At the time I put it to him, mm -hmm. I said, you've lost that battle because the EFF has completely taken over the conversation on land. And at a minimum, you mm -hmm. could offer historical reference as to the context in which, why in fact, this was a question which is not that of the EFF. But back in the 1950s when Nusobukwe ran it and said, actually, I can't be part of the ANC because this question is clearly not sent mm -hmm. front and center of it. What else or what can you lament about the possibility of the PAC not part of the legislature, not part, therefore, of the political strength of the country from executive office, executive office in the sense that they are a recognized political party in parliament? I don't, I, well, I don't want to speculate on elections. That's not really why I came on the show. But I do think that the, the, the power of this memorialization and this archiving that we're speaking about doesn't really sit with a but with the part with the party politic per se i think that the resonance and the vibrancy and the robustness even of um keeping that Sobukwe's name alive um and vice versa one could even say of keeping that because name alive it hasn't per se come from a a you know from the azapo presence or mm, the pac mm, presence well. in parliament i actually think that it is far more about the vibrancy of 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 um conversations like this of public intellectualism of social movements um the sobukwe trust which is doing sterling work but um some campuses across the country who are going to be doing the 100 year launching the 100 year centenary as of uh january so you know unisa is part of that nelson mandela university is part of that um you know and you know we're already hooked into some of those and that's got nothing to do with formal politics i think it's got everything to do with the with the vibrancy of social movements of intellectual movements of activist movements of scholar ac activism 
um, and and I think of how the way that people are relating to the issues. And you know, you mentioned something really interesting about how the EFF have taken the land issue, or one would say borrowed it, and um, you know, painted it red, literally. Um, and 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 con again. Um, not even contemporized it, but just put it into Twitter, tweetable soundbite yeah. for a younger, yeah, tweetable soundbites, you know, TikToked it for a younger generation. Um, and more power to them because they, you know, because, because land has become a four-letter word again. But in the context of this historicization and historicization that we're talking about, of course, we cannot forget that, um, um, you know, the, the PAC has has been flying this flag for decades. And as you rightly say, that was the point of the great departure. So or from the ANC, so ironic that two parties that left the ANC at different times, so, you know, the PAC, of you know having been originally a breakaway um of the of the ANC um but ideologically grown vastly away from that and then you know 50 years later or so come the EFF um also then appropriating that language and i think if our politics were perhaps more uh had a different kind of ethic maybe it would have been it maybe the more the more honest or the more uh, I mean, let me word this very gently. Maybe it would have been interesting to see more people just joining the AN, the PAC and saying, actually, we now agree. We now get it. So how interesting would that have been? So even though, you you know, I have not, I'm not going to speculate on what happens in the ballot box in 2024. It is no doubt that the ideas of that this will never die. And no, so as sure, long as the land for as long as land dispossession, for as long as racialized social and economic apartheid persist, those ideas are, will always be as fresh as morning bread. Let's cast the net forward to 2024 in the context then of the centenary that marks 100 years of the birth of Ubao Sobukwe. Yeah. What, in your view anyway, should be a way of celebrating a life for celebration's sake but commemorating and memorializing, even institutionalizing a name that is so important, but especially then to re-engage these things, the excavation of voice, to reorientate society as to exactly what the Defiance campaign was all about, where it came from, and how that became instrumental in Sharpeville and human rights as we now know it. How do we use the centenary to again reorientate to beyond sound biteable tweets, as you mentioned, the land question, mm -hmm. its history, its context, from the colonial project to the apartheid project, and perhaps even mm -hmm. how the democratic project is failing or meeting the questions on land, mm -hmm. and, and, mm -hmm. and other matters that are incidental to these, let's say, three anchor points. There could be more. Mm. There could be more. Yeah, fascinating, um, fascinating question and well put. I think that there are a few things we can think about. We can think about the legacy um, of memorialization, historicization um, as part of a, a broader, broader part, a broader uh, body politic and a body politic that is nonpartisan. And that I think has can can transcend the binaries of very narrow political competitiveness as an electoral ballot competitiveness because i i think i it's 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 fair to say that were it not for 
the levels of competitiveness um, that the, the governing party have had towards, I think, all other political movements. And I think a particular antagonism towards the Pan-Africanist Congress and Tuntate Sobukwe by extension, we might have had a different reading and writing of all of this. We might have had a Sobukwe Day the way that we there's a Mandela Day. Um, we might have had... To um, the moral and ethic you referred to earlier on what you're saying. Now. Yeah, you know. That, that you know that if we were thinking state building nation building and not party political pettiness if i may say we would have had it we would have been having different conversations i would hope that perhaps we begin to open the conversation on placing his works on the curric on the school curriculum as mm -hmm. part of prescribed reading um i would hope that we begin to also um excavate mezon Denis sobukwe that a few you know some of us will remember passed away in 2018, and um, and a lot of us did a lot of work both for on behalf of her and behalf of Mema Tigizela. Not no coincidence that they pass within weeks again within months of each other. So you know these two families' lives are just intersecting, um, you know, in this life and the next <laughs> life, so yeah, to yeah, speak. Yeah. You know, um, and I think another piece is then the voice of Ndate Sobukwe. So yesterday there was a, uh, a the launch of a campaign at, at, in court, which was, um, uh, you know, release the voice of, of, of Sobukwe. And I think that's probably one of the most poignant ones because I, I find it very difficult to believe um, Buti. And I don't know, maybe the listeners are less cynical than me, but I find it very difficult to believe that after all of these years and decades, that there isn't somebody out there, somebody somewhere, Songezo, who who possibly has the a, a voice, a recording Ethic. somewhere. You um, mentioned ethics. Somewhere. You mentioned ethics. Yeah. You know, it boils down yeah. to that word, yeah. ultimately. So, you know, somewhere, somewhere. So, I mean, if the, that conversation, even if it, even if we don't get even if we don't find and excavate his his physical voice, you know, his his audible voice, can we at least excavate his ideas and wrestle with them? Wrestle with the political economy of land. Wrestle with the political economy of landlessness. Wrestle with intergenerational trauma um, and what that trauma of landlessness and dispossession is doing to us as a people and continues to do to us as a people. Um, can we wrestle with what it meant to be in isolation um, firstly on Robben Island um, and secondly in Hrafrenet. Mm -hmm. Can we wrestle with that? Can we wrestle with deromanticizing the idea that struggle stalwarts were not human beings who probably had depression, who probably had deep loneliness, um, and that banishment was costly, Songezo and the listeners. It was very costly. And what that banish, what does it mean to continue to banish a person even after they are no longer with us? Banish the ideas, banish the mention of them on the school curriculum, banish them even during the, the, the what should be commemorations of the Sharpeville massacre, which Ndadesobukwe led, erase that and um turn them into something that they are not. And I think there's a, there's a, it's also the opportunity for some greater historical and historical honesty on the, on behalf of particularly ANC, because as the incumbent party, they hold the largest pen. Uh, that's it. <laughs> I'll say this, you know, in 1950, I'm reading from SA history online, literally, I'm going to give you 30 seconds Please. response. In 1950, Sobuko was appointed as teacher at General Secondary School in Standerton, where he taught history, mm. English, mm. and geography. How metaphorical mm. could that be if we could excavate his voice to tell the story of Sobukwe history, English, 
the use of language because he had the gift of language. He was a trained teacher and geography in the context mm. of land. I mean, history, English, and geography. And you talk Can about imagine. curriculum. Imagine if we awoke the spirit, lifetimes, legacy, and everything of Sobukwe through the classroom on history, on English, oh. on geography. 30 seconds. How beautiful would that be? Yeah, I mean, how beautiful would that be, really? What would, uh, what fitting um, a metaphor would that be? And I think that the, you know, when we speak about memory and memorialization, we also think about what is unremembered. We also think about what is unseen and what is unheard. Fantastic. And I think that what's un what's unforgivable is not so much what we forget, but what we deliberately unremember. I'll leave it there. This one, Mazenetole. Thank you so much. Thanks. Ms. Lebohang Pegu, Senior Research Fellow and Political Economist. Sobukwe would have been 99 years today.